0: On today's Player Pool Podcast, new segment alert, new segment called Growers and Showers. It's exactly what you think it's about. Also, we're going to talk about how to enjoy football. Make sure you're enjoying football and DFS at the same time. We're going to point out a couple things that should get you excited early in games before the results are final. How to enjoy the process and see it at work live finally we're going to discuss the two worlds of dfs and how the player pool targets both of them somebody tell justin fields there's no running allowed at the pool but he can run on a football field let's go it's the player pool podcast with your host austin Raboyne. Welcome back. Welcome back to the player pool. How is everyone doing? We are on two weeks of weirdness in the NFL. And as you all know, I have not had great success so far to start the year. And I have two choices. I can either get down and start whining and be like, it's not working. Or I can meet this kind of low, mediocre frustrating process i can meet it with enthusiasm and energy and trust in that what i have built and what i am doing over the years has already shown to bring me back around to bring me back to the mean i feel strong regression on its way and i'm not i'm not getting down i don't play this i don't play dfs to make a living i don't play dfs to to just get easy you know vacations and gobs of money i really don't i play it because dfs is is the number one, the true fantasy season, the number one place to discover if you actually know what you are talking about in fantasy football. I love the competition. I love the results I'm seeing from listeners already. I'm getting multiple screenshots sent to me after the main slate Sunday. Guys easily scoring, not realizing how hard it is to score in top 12 of these leagues. Guys living there at the top of, the, of their leagues, and they're not playing at big scale. I think if these guys were playing at my scale, they would be littering these leagues and there would be people asking, what is this emblem here next to these names? What is this player pool? So I think we got some listeners on their way up right now, and I'm, I'm excited for that. And for if you haven't yet felt that success or it just feels like you've put in a lot of you know spinning wheels or stuff and it, things just aren't being realized yet, I want to talk to you. And I want to talk to the guys that are doing well, because I am sensing a lot of stress and a lot of lack of enjoyment about DFS and football in the process. And we're all just sitting there just tense and sweating through these games from start to finish. So I'm leading off the show today and we got a packed episode for you and I'm excited to get to every topic, but I'm starting the show off with how to enjoy football and DFS. I got a couple things I just want to point out. So, number one, this happened for me right off the bat to start the main slate. Get excited when something happens in a game that creates positive game script for your lineups, okay? And point that out. Point that out to people around you, too. Share how this stuff works with other people in the room and talk it out. Sometimes talking things out just helps you realize all the benefits or how a game could be shaping up to help you out. So, The example I have here that I had early in the main slate was, it was that Detroit-Seattle game. And I had a lineup with Kenneth Walker, and then I had Amon Ra St. Brown on the other side. And early in that game, Kenneth Walker gets his goal line carry. Boom. Touchdown. I'm excited to score that touchdown for my lineup. I'm glad Kenneth Walker's the guy. but, But more importantly, I am excited that early in this game with so many plays and so much football ahead of us, we were already positioned for that awesome game script of the Lions having to pass more than usual and Seattle having to live off the run to try to kill the clock. So recognize little wins in your process. Because, you know, if it turns out over the course of the game, if that fully went the way you wanted and you got the result you wanted, so be it. You know, things happen. Maybe maybe those guys don't end up getting fed. I know Amon Ross St. Brown kind of came in and ultimately underperformed because touchdowns started going to... Josh Reynolds and and every other receiver but him. But you have to enjoy those little golden nuggets um, as you go. I really believe that. Secondly, I would say that as the games start, especially those noon starts, you have to just sit back and put DFS down for a second and just watch the games and enjoy the company around you. So for me, I'm in the basement. Phone is face down on, on the couch, and I'm coming out of my walkout basement to the grill, making sure that I'm hosting for anyone who's over, making sure we're getting everybody fed. You know, that's kind of what I like to focus on from kickoff till about, uh, about the third quarter. I kind of have it down where I'm kind of around the grill, in and out, watching the games. And I'll usually settle down on the couch about midway through the second quarter to watch them close the half end. So it's not all about end result in this process it's about enjoying some of the process pick out little nuggets throughout games and and you'll see how you're kind of positioned to just enjoy football a little bit more so don't let dfs turn you into a giant stress monkey another thing i want to talk about and we've seen this the last two weeks and i think some guys have have noticed this in their lineup builds who are playing multiple lineups and are playing those stacked QB lines, and then the naked lines. And if I had to guess, if anyone's had success over the last two weeks, it's been with a naked quarterback build. Why is that? Because the last two weeks we have basically had random outcome lineups placing higher, where basically you're just trying to select this little perfect combination. Now, what I love about the player pool is overall, as time goes, the game stacks are going to start hitting. I mean, a lot of listeners this week, myself included, had two-ish game stacks. I know I had two game stacks that absolutely crushed. And then I just missed on filling out my exposures. But the beautiful thing about the player pool is you are going to cover both worlds. Because to me, the pro-level world, the, the next step up is truly learning how to correlate and how to play the proper level and amount of game stacks mixing in with filling in some individual player picks. That is truly the elite next step. That is how the big sharks play. But everyone, just like everyone's heard a story, that one guy, he went to the casino, pulled one lever on a slot machine in 1,000s. Everybody is going to have their day where they pick the right combination of nine guys and score high in a contest. But I am telling you, that way is the way to unsustainable DFS play. Trust me, I've burned years learning that lesson. And the sweet thing about the player pool is, yes, you're gonna go down and make those quarterback game stacks, but the naked quarterbacks that you still play, that you use more to select players, is still gonna keep you in that realm where you aren't so tied to games. It's the best of both worlds using the player pool. I truly believe that, so keep that in mind. Lastly, we are past week two, and it is time now to get better at honing our player pool, tightening up our player pool. And this is this message is directly aimed at yours truly. Getting better at diversifying lineups and really covering exposures. So what do I mean when I say cover exposures? I now in this process, you've learned how to make a player pool. You've done it. You've probably done it more than three times. I mean, I know I have. I made an early one just for the show's sake. To give an example. So you've made your player pool. By now you've also made your lines. You've experimented with game stacking. You've seen the positives and the negatives of both sides of that. But what we haven't talked a lot in depth on, and this is kind of hard to convey just by word of mouth, but when you're done making your lineups, you now, you now need to hold your lineups in front of your player pool and go through and make sure, did you cover everybody in that player pool that you absolutely could? It's like, you took a, a, a butter knife and you dipped it into the jam that is your player pool and you're trying to spread it on a piece of toast. The goal is you want to cover as much of that toast with as much of that jam as you possibly can. Now, I don't mean to jam players into your lineups. They still need to make sense. See what I did there? But there comes a time once the lineups are built that you got to look and say, okay, who did I miss? Who can I afford to leave out? And that is a again, a stupid error I made last week where I could have put a little more work in and diversified my tight end and Damian Pierce. And instead I played hundred percent idiotic. So now that you can build your lineups, now that you can make them make sense to yourself. Now it's time once the lineups are built and there's a difference between covering exposures and tinkering. Okay. Covering exposures means you've built your initial builds. And without taking in any more information from the outside world, you're looking back at your player pool and realizing that, oh, I didn't include Bijan Robinson. Better get him in a lineup. Where does he fit? You know, where does it make sense for him to go? Or, as I should have done, oh, Kyron Williams available. Are there value plays that I'm not expecting much from that I can just kind of switch around and insert him in to kind of just create more of a 50-50 outcome rather than all eggs in one basket? So... Just briefly, that's what I mean by covering exposures. When you're done building your lineups, put put your lineups up on a screen, put your player pool next to it, and just see, hey, who else could I have fit in here? Because you'll normally walk down the normal decision tree and lead to the usual suspects. Also, establishing your foundation will lead to usual suspects. And I truly believe you should make your first builds and Quite frankly, have a hundred percent exposure to, to guys on that first initial build. But once all lineups are built, man, you got to come back across, look at that player pool, and say, Could I fit more Monroe St. Brown in? Could I fit more T Higgins in? You got to ask yourself that question. And if you just straight up didn't touch a player, you got to see, Well, do I really need two Joe Mix, two Joe Mixons, or should I have a Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs? How does that affect my lineups of the two lineups I'm talking about here? Is there any chance at correlation? The answer doesn't always need to be yes, but at least ask yourself that. So going forward, let's take the next step in our lineup construction. And once the initial and the timeline of when you decide to do this is so important. It's not, I built my lineups, then I went to bed and then I waited two more days and read a bunch of ESPN reports on who's going to be the best place. And now I'm trying to get them in. It is back to your player pool, initial builds only. You're not taking in any new information at all hey, who did I not get in in this player pool? So let's all take that next step together. I'll hold myself accountable. If you hold yourselves accountable, I think it's going to make us better players. Okay, that's enough housekeeping. Now time for a new segment, Growers and Showers. Excited to get to this new segment idea we had called Growers and Showers. Everybody knows a grower. Everybody knows a shower. And the NFL is no different. They're full of them. So the idea behind this is to highlight players who are on the way up, on the way up to everyday studs, or have arrived in the league, but people aren't taking note yet. There is a crop of players, especially at four years in the league and below, who are here. They're ready. They're usable, but they just don't quite have that notoriety or notoriety or star power that, in a few weeks of more production, I think that they will they'll be considered. Uh, that so. There are players that just, we go to them all the time. You know, Saquon Barkley, sorry, we're going to go play him, right? But what if I told you there's a guy two years in the league who is getting just as much opportunity as, that running, uh, as Saquon Barkley? Uh, because we, we got to catch these guys early. So those are growers. Now on the other side, we have showers. Showers are established kings among men, players that, yes, you know about, but sometimes maybe you forget about. Maybe that great player, that slate breaker, that stud, high-end stud, is on two or three down weeks, but he just showed you this week he's still the man, okay? That's a shower. So I want to go through both and discuss, see what you guys think. And I'm going to start with the growers. Our first grower is Kyron Williams, running back with the Rams. Just before kickoff, I believe it was six minutes, maybe 11 minutes before kickoff, we got... The Facebook post out there from the Rams that it was complicated between them and Cam Akers. It looks like they're doing everything they can to jet him out of their franchise. In steps, Kyron Williams already had a big boy serving of opportunities the week prior. Steps in and gets 14 carries, six catches, 20 total opportunities for a grand total 25 fantasy points, 4.2x value. Kyron Williams is showing you that he has grown up into a role and he needs to be taken seriously. And now let's take a look at a shower. And this is one of the biggest showers we have right now in fantasy football. And that's Christian McCaffrey, slate breaker, showing you for the second week in a row why you cannot ignore slate breakers. And one thing I said about slate breakers is even if they don't hit that higher total ceiling, we're looking for that higher two-and-a-half times value what you're trying to target, you're still seeing the ultimate value, the safety in getting to them. So McCaffrey, who was not much needed in this game against the Rams, and in fact the, the 49ers got a lot of production from a lot of guys, and as we saw with Amon Ross St. Brown, when other guys get their scores, it hurts Amon Ross St. Brown's production. The difference between a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, who I consider a high-end stud, and a slate breaker, is a slate breaker still gets his even if he's not scoring the touchdowns, even if his teammates have success as well. So there's Christian McCaffrey. Week two now, he's giving you 2.2x value, but that's still solid for 21 fantasy points and top of the leaderboards in fantasy. Christian McCaffrey, he's just showing you what he's always gotten. all right? Back to the growers, Brian Robinson. Second week in a row, he's finding the end zone. Those yards per carry may not be super high, but he is the battering ram that's going to get himself into the end zone in this Eric Bienemy offense. We might have a situation going on in Washington. The 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 commander's offense for the first time ever looked like an NFL Pro Style High Octane offense, and Eric Enemy is the one who's there to take the credit. And if if this is true and this is a trend that's going to be on the season with the Washington offense on the rise, you're definitely going to want Brian Robinson who's leading the way for them on the ground. And now for a shower, T. Higgins. What did T. Higgins show us? He showed us that after this season, he is going to make a lot of money. Some team is going to pay him a lot of money, New York Giants, to come be their wide receiver one. T Higgins is showing you what he's already showed you the last two years is he is wide receiver one B when there's Jamar chase in front of him, But otherwise he is wide receiver one. You need to accept that any given week it, it could be chase. It could be Higgins. And like I learned, maybe instead of just that complimentary dart play of a T Higgins play, like I did this week, maybe we need to start acknowledging because he's shown us that he's a wide receiver one in his own, right? So moving forward, I think I was shown this week, T. Higgins, he's going to start getting more than just a little respective share of my player pool. He's fully a stud and going to carry more priority in my builds moving forward. And now back to the growers. Nico Collins. I think we found something useful in Houston to use, and it's not Damian Pierce, and it's not that god-awful defense. What was I seeing last week? D'Amico Ryans can't change a defense overnight. What were you thinking, Austin? Idiot. No. No. But growing up in his own right, Nico Collins, he's the guy. It seems like that Houston offense has these four receivers that all have potential, but it seems like Nico Collins with, I think, the most years out of that wide receiving core is the one that they're going to go to 146, I believe, yards this week. Second week in a row, he's useful. And if his price is still down there, now's the time to jump on him, I think. He's there. He's a guy that is a useful Option. We have at least one thing on the Texans every week that we can at least insert into our player pool. That's that's at least as I see it. So Nico Collins, grower. Now back over to the showers. Y'all are gonna hate this one. But Danny dimes, <laughs> Daniel Jones showed us, and he's and I'm saying he's a shower, not a grower, because he already grew for us last year. He already he already went into this rushing QB role, but he showed it again this week that he is going to put enough scrambles together, enough rush attempts together, that at any given week, he could probably find himself in the end zone or probably find himself at 50 to 60 yards rushing. I mean, 35 yards, 40 yards rushing is all you need for that quarterback to just get a little step stool into that 20-point target range of what we're going for. So Daniel Jones showed you this week that he is still of the running mindset. Maybe he should talk to Justin Fields. But Daniel Jones, he's going to run. He showed you that. So take notes. And now for a grower. Jameer Gibbs. Now I know what you're saying. How dare you speak his name in a positive light. Hold on. Hold on. Let me explain. So first off, I had Jameer Gibbs in a couple lineups. And yes, overall his points return tanked me. Did not do well. Lost money because of Jameer Gibbs this week. I get it. But in his second NFL game. Take note that he is already growing into a sizable opportunity role as the RB2 on the Detroit Lions. And as we saw this week, with Seattle scoring 30-plus points, 37 points to be correct, against the Lions, we kind of still have that same old Lions defense. So the Lions are going to be behind in a lot of games this year, at least in a lot of shootouts, right? And in his second NFL game, Jameer Gibbs, who they drafted to be this explosive and healthy player, unlike DeAndre Swift for him, had seven carries and seven targets. That is 14 opportunities in a second game. I think Jameer Gibbs is already slowly growing. It's slow at first, but it it starts to get there. Slowly growing into the role we all envisioned. I think it's safe to say, especially as this price probably stays pretty low. I expect it, and I haven't looked yet. I expect it. It's still probably below 6K. But Jameer Gibbs is growing into the role you wanted him to be in and those explosive plays are going to come. So take note. And the last one of the week, our last shower. I think he grew last week and now he's just a shower. He stayed there. Puka Nakua again, going back to the LA Rams, that many targets, that many catches. I think you can wait for him to spend two more years until you accept he's a everyday NFL starting receiver. So, Puka Nakua, he's here to stay. I bet his price again. I'm just gonna bet on his price. I could look it up right now in hand, but I'm not going to. Wouldn't it shock me to see his price be like 7,200 for this week three. Uh, this week three slate of games. So, uh, yeah, Puka Nakua. He showed you. He's a guy that you need to consider. He could just eat targets, just eat targets and catches. Be like our Amon Ra St. Brown West. You know, he's a guy on the West Coast doing that stuff. Keenan Allen out there, it's kind of in that range where it's going to take 8 to 11 catches to really blow up the slate, but he could just be a very safe floor player, and week to week given the matchup, you know, given the situation, a guy that I think you always need to strongly consider moving forward, I think for me, it wouldn't surprise me if he is a preferred player this week, because he showed me enough this week. So, that is the NFL Growers and Showers. Taking a look back on the games this week and what we learned, starting with the Vikings-Eagles, I think I had said that this game, as it was going on, looked more like a football game, like these offenses were starting to cook a little bit. Big takeaway, big note of the Vikings-Eagles game was DeAndre Swift with more carries in a single game than I think I saw in a month when he was in Detroit. So what do you do with that as a DFS player? That is Gary 28 carries for Deandre Swift out of nowhere. I I don't know. That's if he's on the main slate this week, that's going to be tough. So big flag up there. Otherwise, same thing on the Viking side. It's the Justin Jefferson show, and he is very liable to get touchdowns vultured by a pretty good supporting cast of receivers. So I do think Kirk cousins, if, if Alexander Madison continues to be, just terrible running the ball i mean the complete definition of inefficiency running the ball then the vikings are just going to be a very high throwing team i mean think of some of those kind of those trashy chargers teams with philip rivers where he was just throwing like 50 times a game 45 times a game or some of those big ben uh, steeler teams at the end where he was just throwing in mass i mean that's that's might be what we're seeing on Kirk cousins this year. So if you start having a little bit more Kirk exposure with his price, giving you some salary, salary relief, I get it. Uh, Not a place I would go for a quarterback though, but a lot to take from that Thursday game. I think we have a big headache. The reason Deandre Swift is such a headache is 28 carries is, is higher than any slate breaking running back got this week, but he's liable to get seven touches next week. At the same time, he is definitely not the goal line option or even inside the 10 option. And you have the quarterback on his team who's just going to rugby, push himself into the end zone every time. So you're, you're on, you're, you're walking down the edge of a knife every time with Deandre Swift, but I get the appeal. I'm not going to chastise anybody if they start putting him in their lineup. I get it. Uh, okay. Packers at Falcons entertaining game. Uh, Jordan Love still looks like an NFL starting quarterback, but the big take here again was Bajon Robinson, just a knife through butter. The Packers run defense is nothing right home about, but when you can toast an NFL defense like that, you've arrived. And and Bajon Robinson, he's on his way to slate breaker status. If he doesn't get there by this year, he'll assumingly get there next year. So, Moving forward, Raiders at Bills. I actually thought the Raiders were going to compete in this game, and I I was wrong again. Uh, the uh, Josh Allen, James Cook, and Stephon Diggs stack was almost perfect, except Gabe Davis crashed the party. So expect him to pop up every uh, few weeks to just kind of punch you in the gut for picking Stefan and moving on. I don't know if Gabe Davis is re-entering the fantasy conversation, but it's worth noting. Also, 17 carries by James Cook. After years and years of no discernible lead running back in Buffalo, I think you have one in James Cook. And they look like the old Bills. Everybody's trying to put a lot of panic across all the contenders. The Chiefs look a little slow. The Bengals still haven't showed up this year. But the Bills came out and did the Bill thing and and blew out a, a decent team with decent talent by 28 points at home. So I would say that they're back and ready to start playing. Ravens at Bengals. Excited to see Lamar Jackson putting up Lamar Jackson games. Like I said last week, sir, you are a knight, act like it and he certainly did. He led his team to victory. Great divisional win, great overall stats, great passing stats, great rushing stats. Lamar Jackson, feel good playing him naked every week. My other takeaway, two takeaways I had were were T Higgins has got to strongly be considered every week. He's got his his credits got to come up, I think in everybody's book. And then I was right on about the Gus Edwards and Justice Hill backfield. Nightmare. Yes, you could have picked Gus Edwards and gotten a 60 yards and a touchdown for a you know, a gentleman's 12 points, but you were just as likely to have Justice Hill uh, and pick him and, and pay for it. And I think of those two, I think Justice Hill was the more popular of the two. So just a place that good DFS players avoid. Seahawks at Lions. This game told me that the Lions are going to be a fun team to stack players with and against this year. I already feel like David Montgomery is losing a little steam there. Uh, this game, is just, uh, just like last week, 16 carries, 67 yards in a tutty. Maybe he's always good for 12 points, but Vandal is going to make you s- seek out that touchdown. They're going to price him just high enough that you are paying and betting that he's going to get a touchdown every game. That's kind of a tough bet. I don't think I'll have a lot of Montgomery in my lineups this year. Otherwise, the Seahawks look like they do. Not much else to take away except, again, I think the Lions, after looking like they had some defense against the Chiefs, I think that was more of a tale that the Chiefs just weren't ready to click on offense and you could run up points on the Lions, even if they're at home. Chargers-Titans, my favorite game of the week, obviously. I stacked two Herbert lineups on this. This Stacking those lineups and not hitting big, not scoring very high because my individual picks failed, hurts. That is that is the big pain. Um, otherwise, the other thing here is you just got to acknowledge Derrick Henry is the best best purchase in football derrick henry is the marvel movie of the nfl no matter how many times they throw it out there those movies make money they hit and damn are they entertaining i could watch derrick henry run up the middle all day for hours love derrick henry as long as his price is hovering around 8k and no higher i think he is the best purchase week to week in football gives you the solid floor with great opportunity 25 carries in this game And at any given week, he can take you to the freaking moon. So, Derrick Henry, amazing. Another thing I learned out of this game is the Titans' pass funnel defense I think can just be targeted for easy, safe floor games the rest of the year. And then moving on to the next game, I think we found another team that we can just completely target as a pass funnel. Honestly, just a complete defense that we can beat up on. And that's the Chicago Bears. Playing the Buccaneers. They're making Baker Mayfield look like he's got 10 more years in him as a starter. Uh, The Bucs went off. They got everything they needed easily. Rashad White, who let me down. I went back to the well this week. Got rewarded. 17 carries, 73 yards. Touchdown, Mike Evans looks great. Uh, Had almost 171 yards. Touchdown on just six catches. So, just big gouge plays on the Bears all day. And then, let's talk about it. Justin Fields. What are you doing? Okay, I will say this. He's up one more time for me as a naked quarterback where it just you automatically play him as a naked quarterback, get him a line. And I'm only going to do it this week, not because of what we've seen so far this season, but because I hope he gets into the film room with coaches this week and they point out all this open space around him called grass. And I hope they tell him he can run through those. And if he runs forward, he can cross things called First downs, and then first downs will occasionally lead to touchdowns. The fact that he's just trying to sit back and make his reads and pass, multiple times watching him play, I'm not even rooting for the Bears, and I start yelling, run, run, run. He's giving up six, seven, eight-second sacks at this point. That's not endearing to your offensive line. Justin Fields, know who you are, run the ball. If not, get out of the player pool. That's my take on the Bears after this week, getting a little fed up. Moving over to the Chiefs and Jaguars. I How do you say Jaguars, by the way? You add wars in there or ours in there? What does that say about you? I don't know. Jaguars. I'm a little bit of both. Anyway, just like I don't know how to say the Jaguars, it still looks like the Chiefs and Jaguars don't know how to consistently deliver a high-octane offense. I know a lot of people were attached and drawn to this game. I only went after one piece of Ridley, one piece of ETN, And paid for it. There was some chatter before this game that Christian Kirk would actually be getting most of the opportunities, and he did. He got 11 catches for 110 yards in this game. I think it's worth researching this week. What role, what type of receiver is Christian Kirk in this game? Did he play out of the slot? Where was he coming from? And try to find similar instances across the Chiefs' next few opponents. Um, the Chiefs, on the other hand, Patrick Mahomes won them this game. I mean, he did. I don't know if the Eric Bieniemy, you know, era ending there is kind of having them a little discombobulated. But the Chiefs just don't quite look like themselves. You can definitely see the age on Travis Kelsey. It just looks like every hit he absorbs a little heavier. Everything just seems a little slower. But that could also just be first game rust, or he could just be out all night with Taylor Swift. We don't know, but. The Chiefs, they know that they have Mahomes. They know they're going to win games, uh, and they know they're going to be there at the end. But on the fantasy side, it's a little less reassuring to see the Chiefs start out so slow. We'll see how they progress next week. Next game, we have Colts at Texans. We learned that the Texans' defense is not there. That was a bad call by me, and I paid for it. We also learned that while Anthony Richardson can run the ball, and it looks like they have a mindset to make him a runner and have him run, his body just cannot take the NFL hit. Two weeks in a row, he's picked up injuries. This time he gets knocked out of a game. If you had him, he probably scored you about 14 points, and then he was out of your lineup and, and out and out of the scoring. So he probably killed your lineup if you decided yes on Anthony Richardson this week. Otherwise, yes, Zach Moss had a good game statistically. Maybe if the Colts' offensive line and run game seems viable and he's still the guy, I don't see them ever going back to Deion Jackson, ever. He is third string or practice squad by the end of the year. It should be a Zach Moss show, and the Colts should be happy. They scored 31 points at home, uh, I'm sorry, on the road at a divisional rival, and they were able to control the game from start to finish and run the ball well. So kind of a reassuring sign of life out of the Colts. Maybe Zach Moss becomes useful as we continue forward. Other than that, though, still nothing to use on the Colts. It's a, it's a shaky place to go. 49ers at Rams. Christian McCaffrey obviously showed up. We've kind of covered these players already. Puka Nakua, you got to give him his due. He's he's going to be priced as a stud player moving forward. Other than that, just a lot of passes and completions thrown to Matt Stafford that, outside of Nakua, just don't really have any impact. Higby doesn't seem very involved. Van Jefferson might have reached his potential, and we just never noticed. He's not making an impact in the games at all. Two teams here with tons of star players on them, and couldn't have less fantasy, fantasy options viable. So, still trying to figure this team out. Giants at Cardinals. This was a steaming garbage can until the end, and nobody had any expectations on this game at all. But here we are again. James Conner killing you with opportunity. It's such a risky play because FanDuel is going to price him just low enough to be enticing to you. But at any given Sunday, the Cardinals can get absolutely blown out and get completely away from the run game. I think James Conner, every single week, faces a negative game script, negative matchup. So he's no matter what outcome he gets, he's not making my player pool while he's on this tanking Cardinals team. Same time, Daniel Jones, you might need to bump him up above the Kirk Cousins line, and he may be flirting more with the Herberts and the Burrows of the world. Those, If he's going to run like that, and all you're banking on is a touchdown pass or two with a rushing, uh, big rushing gain or rushing touchdown, I don't know. I think Daniel Jones is starting to become pretty viable in DFS. Moving on to the Jets-Cowboys game. I stayed away from this game completely because I figured that the I kept hearing the Jets were the 1985 Bears but apparently if your defense is on the field the entire game it just doesn't matter because the Jets offense can't stay on the field Garrett Wilson's already leaving the game early it looks like the the Jets are about to close for business already and on the other side I would say this is reassuring to see from the Cowboys they were able to exert their will The statistical leaders in the game are are the three top Cowboys that you want to see. Zach Prescott, 255, two touchdowns. Still not a quarterback that makes my player pool. But Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb are going to be a problem. 25 touches by Tony Pollard. I'm sorry, 25 carries. 11 catches by CeeDee Lamb. They are fixtures in your player pool. I would say very matchup-based for CeeDee Lamb, but Tony Pollard... I don't know. With that much usage, he's got to be above a Kenneth Walker. He's got to be pretty much at Saquon level or even maybe even higher. So I wonder for you guys, do you guys see him as a slate breaker? Do you see him as a stud? I would be interested to know. Then we got the Commanders who were at the Broncos pulling out the win with 35 points. Seeing the Washington Commanders emblem next to a score of 35 is so weird for me. Uh, But in this game, again, I'd already mentioned it, but Brian Robinson, I think he emerged. I think he is more of like your Kenneth Walker light. That's how I'm viewing him. But a very viable option. You just got to keep in mind it's going to be mainly on the ground for Brian Robinson and very touchdown dependent. To me, he falls somewhere in between right below Kenneth Walker but maybe above David Montgomery. So week to week and, and given the matchup, probably a guy you can plug in. Otherwise, my Jerry, Judy, hope, and prayers did, went unanswered. Uh, I'd not, not fixed in there. Russ, Russ Wilson had a great statistical game, but still the passing game just does not look fluid. A large chunk of Russ's pass yards came on two completions to Marvin Mims Jr. So we'll see. But I will say this Broncos team can be a work in development, and, and if you monitor them all season and you start to see them turn that corner before the next guy, you can scoop a Jerry Judy or any other useful player that they're throwing out there and, and have that week where you have the low own guy popped off. So eyes will be on the Broncos. My eyes will be on the Broncos at least. I want to see when it's time to play Jerry Judy. I know that that 11-catch, 150-yard, two-touchdown games around the corner, I just didn't see it. It didn't seem close this week. Finally, we have the uh, Dolphins who are at the Patriots. I wasn't able to see a whole lot of this game. Looked like the typical Belichick removing Tyreek, so you see what's next. But looks like the Dolphins anticipated that. I mean, they went right to Mostert, punished him on the ground for 120 and two touchdowns. Mostert is an intriguing play. He's liable to get you seven touches, but if they're going to give him in that 15 range, I think he's useful. It's, it's going to be a tough read, but on weeks where you need value, I think Mostert is a steady value plug running back that you can put in your player pool, put a value symbol next to, and if you need it to make your lineup make sense, you're not dumb for putting him there. And just briefly on the last bit here, I was unable to see the Saints Panthers game, so I don't have much to say on that other than looks like the David Carr and Chris Olave connection is still well and alive. Hopefully, Chris Olave's price doesn't get too ridiculous. I think if it gets to 8K, you're starting to flirt with some danger there and some letdown. But on the Browns and Steelers game, that's still in the fourth quarter as we speak. All I'll say is seeing Nick Chubb go down like that, I think one of the most pure runners in the NFL before this injury, a guy who had never, to me, been just completely unleashed and allowed to have his way in an offense, and now this terrible terrible injury i mean the footage is so bad that you can barely find a a a replay of it online it's so bad so i hope nick chubb as a person i hope he's good and okay it's sad for football there's nothing positive about a player of his caliber just like aaron Rodgers being out for this year you don't want to see these stars go down it makes football less interesting so Yes, there's going to be some value there in the Cleveland backfield next week. I could even see it being just a lock, I think, with Jerome Ford next week with Cleveland. And then we're getting a little glimpse in this game of what the Steelers without Deontay Johnson the next three games are going to look like with George Pickens. Again, keep in mind, that FanDuel main slate for Week 3 already came out before these games started. So, George Pickens' big day he's having here. Four catches for 127 and a touchdown. That's not going to be reflected in his price Next week, so he's probably going to be very popular regardless of matchup. I would say do your homework and make sure he's got a good matchup before you just plug him and forget him. Same thing for Jerome Ford. Again, I just hate to see Nick Chubb just off the board and and off our TV screens. I mean, for who knows how long. So, prayers up, Nick Chubb. You deserve better. And that'll do it for today's episode, guys. I, I thank you so much again we're tuning in and just being a part of this player pool process. I hope to see more and more listeners get some more info to me, some more screenshots and lineups. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying the whole thing. DFS shouldn't be the main reason you're watching football. I hope you loved football first and then you love fantasy football, and now DFS is that new thing that may be taking the place of traditional fantasy football. I truly think that DFS should be the new generation's fantasy football and how they deal with things. So maybe I'm a nut. Maybe I'm a revolutionary. Join the revolution. Uh, But no, seriously, it can be a grind. And it can also be an obsession. So I know that from like Thursday to Sunday, a lot of you guys are just tinkering and grinding and playing with it, playing with it. I get it. But it's Tuesday right now. I would suggest from Tuesday until Thursday night football, take a deep breath. Take yourself away from the football for a little bit. Otherwise, you're going to be burnt out not making it through the rest of the season. And then let Thursday night be kind of like that little warm-up for you. That's what it is for me. Thursday night's just kind of like, you know, threw threw a little something on the stove, you know, and it's cooking. And then by the end of that game, Thursday night, oh, man, I'm ready to dive in and dig in again. So that's my routine. That's how I'm able to kind of keep this energy up and this enthusiasm up throughout the entire season, even in the face of just two absolute terrible weeks for myself. So I don't know, just a little bit of a uh, life advice you could say on, on how to, you know, rip and roll through this, through this NFL season. So again, thank you so much for joining me on this, letting me, uh, you know, be in it, be in your ears and, and playing in your cars or wherever the heck you, you find time to listen to this show on, Friday's show we're going to go over a couple things. I'm going to identify a few matchups that I think are favorable. I know a lot of people are saying I how do you know matchups what are you reading what are you looking at so I'll try to get a couple examples and we'll walk through on how I can usually locate some pretty soft matchups the target also I think there's been a lot of questions or confusion on how many quarterbacks or what quarterbacks can I actually use Are we only using the same four to five quarterbacks? You know, a year, which to me the answer is almost yes. But we'll go over how to evaluate quarterbacks, and I would love to see some some player pool listeners experiment and go kind of go down in those salaries and maybe try to find somebody like a Kirk Cousins or, man, if you're brave enough, a Baker Mayfield like this week would have would have been okay. So we'll talk about quarterbacks on Friday's show. Make sure you're following me on at least Twitter. Twitter is putting out real time takes and realizations from friday to kickoff on sunday so on uh, twitter i'm at player pool pod it's the same thing on ig at player pool pod again happy to have you guys we'll see you next time thanks for listening to the player pool podcast you can find us on facebook and follow us on twitter and instagram at player pod